Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hi there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Riotcast Network. That is Riotcast.com. Today's guest is a stand-up comedian who has worked with everyone in this business and has documented a lot of it via his work as the founder of his magazine and schmoozecast Comedy USA. He is a political junkie as well, a former radio host in San Francisco, a current radio host here in New York City at times, and most importantly, a big-time Yankees fan. Huge. Yeah. Please welcome Barry Weintraub. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, digging me out of the uh, ash heap of history and bringing me into your, your spacious apartment, which is shrinking... By like a, like a Maxwell man. smart set. It's really a apartment slash storage unit at it's this point. Unbelievable! It really how feels much. more like a storage space. Yeah. Really the only uh, thing missing is the cone of silence. If you yeah. drop that down, with this close, my wife keeps just buying more shit. Stop yeah. bringing yeah. stuff into the apartment. Yeah, I uh, have the same problem. Oh my god! Every day I walk past that doorman, I try to race past him. <laughs> oh no, no, you can't. There's more shit. Yeah, and yeah. they don't learn the lesson of first in, first out. Do they? Oh nope. Let's talk about Barry. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. So we met, I don't know, must have been mid-90s because you were probably in San Francisco, I think, doing a radio show. That's the history. We'll start there. And everybody would look at your picture because people would come in from time to time at the comic strip and look at the headshots on the wall and go, oh, yeah, that guy was here. Oh, that's your headshot. But you ne- that there was always this one in the corner never with a guy it. with a fro, <laughs> this huge fro. And huge we thought you were... When I met you, first thing is like, oh my God, you're not black? Exactly. Yeah, everybody thought you were black. <laughs> the summer that I got that picture taken, people yeah. would come up to me after shows and go, you were very funny. Are, are you black? Because <laughs> you had a big tan and a big fro. Dude, I laid out on the roof of my... Because I was living the comic dream. I was <laughs> like working every night and tanning in the middle of the day. <laughs> on my roof, I was living at uh, 25th and Lex at the time. You were an L.A. comic in New York with the tan. <laughs> yeah, and then when I got to L.A., they said, you don't belong here either. So <laughs> what year did you start comedy? You must have been so young. I started comedy when I was in college. Yeah. 78. Oh, my Lord. I the first thing I did was I went to a ground round in Yonkers and watched and the first acts I saw were Joe Bolster. Yeah. Rick Overton were, was on that show. I remember walking in and Rick Overton was doing some Star Wars thing. Yeah. It was like the which was the one where he revealed he's your father. Uh, I'll yeah, never yeah, forget yeah, yeah. it. He was like his thing was well, I'm your father. I'm your mother. It's a whole thing. And then, <laughs> and then Bolster was like a hero yeah. cuz he did this great bit about uh what would cause somebody to massacre 34 people and he turned it into baseball. He goes, well, I remember in Little League there was a kid, he was the worst one on the team and he played wherever the batter wasn't. They yeah, would put him in that. right field and then finally there'd be a righty and they, a lefty and they'd say, okay, on this play, Bolster, you're going over to right and as I pass this guy crossing the outfield, I heard him say, someday 34 kids will die. <laughs> so, so then I became friends with Joe, and he's always been an idol. You know, I keep I him love up there. Joe. Where did it come from that you wanted to do stand up, though? Where was just in you, or your pain? Your three older sisters. <laughs> I don't know what. I, you know what it was in college. Uh, my friends wanted me to become a stand up, so they dragged me down to an open mic at the dorm. I lived in a huge dorm at BU. Okay, so everyone was encouraging you to do it. Right. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And true story, I was the first act on the gong show and as they were doing my intro, somebody pulled the fire alarm and they emptied out this three-tower building. I got gonged before I even said hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Are you kidding? Serious? Oh, true the story. gong wait, show wait. with Chuck Barris, Go the back. gong show? Well, they were doing their version of the gong show oh, in, in the dorm. The dorm. So okay. then, And then after, like, they got everyone back into the building and they go, okay, now you go up. And I got 999 as yeah. the first act after the, 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 uh, the buzzer. Went the buzzer and then Fire. somebody got it <laughs> and that's been the story of my life just that Aww, close that close and you hit it right away like you know right away as you start doing it it's like oh this is pretty i like it but right this away. is wait hold on this is the late 70s so people there wasn't the boom quite yet was there the boston comedy scene was crazy on oh, fire it and it was different you know in the boston comedy scene it was the acts who ran the show whereas in new york right uh it was the clubs, the clubs were starting to take total control so right. catch was always the place but the strip was the first place 
of significance that I passed. I worked at a place called uh, Good Times, right? Uh, which is where Pat Benatar was working, and Rick Newman was a partner down there with this guy named Rico Guerrero. Everyone who did comedy in those days knew Rico. Rico. Where's Good Times? It was on like Third and Thirty First. It was it was a oh, wow. former diner. So you would perform in between <laughs> like the pillars, and uh-huh. homeless people were staring in from behind you because it was all glass and closed. <laughs> And Pips, of course, I worked at Pips. Right, everybody worked at Pips. That's oh, great. Wow. Um, so, when so you're saying the catch was the scene. So we had Judy in here. Did you meet Judy there, Judy Gull? I Judy, I just she I've known been Judy been forever. Later. I don't know where I met Judy. But uh, the catch was the scene. Why did it go under? Why did it leave that space? I'll tell you why. In my let me put my Comedy USA, <coughs> bless yep. you, my my editor's hat on. Yep. What happened was comedy exploded. So I was doing Comedy USA. And I turned it into an industry newsletter because I couldn't afford to keep the four-color thing going, and that's a whole different right. story. And Catch went public. People bought it out. It oh. went public, and they milked the Manhattan Club dry while all these clubs they opened around the country folded. Oh. So uh, that's so, what did him in. Uh, Rick Newman, nice who's man. a great guy, lives yeah. in your neighborhood here. Yeah. And he had a partner named Rick Fields. Uh-huh. And Rick Fields was the one who was going to explode, and they were going up 30 catches, and, and it just, it did them in. Jeez. They kind of expanded way too fast. Way too fast. Comedy really was booming. So then everybody mo- so then everybody went over to the strip, or just spread out in the city, or? No, well, uh, catch kept going. The improv, you know, the, you look at the people who were superstars or made fortunes today, most of them were at the improv, guys who were Where working behind the scenes. The improv was on Forty uh, Sixth Street off a of Ninth. Oh, okay. It's like a pizza place. It's an now. Italian, Italian restaurant, restaurant now, and there's right. a plaque on the wall that yeah. says this is this where is the, the stage improv. used to be. Okay. Yeah. But the improv was the first real comedy club. Mm. And you hung there? No, I. I you she hated that? me. She oh, said she hated, you. She hated me. <laughs> she said you're doing your impression of what a comic should be, and you know she was right actually. But Lucian didn't care that I was doing that impression. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got you, in. I was an East Side guy. I, I was doing a little bit of catch, uh, a lot of Dangerfield, and a lot of the strip. So but, you went into the. What did Lucian say when he saw you? The first time? The crit, did you well, get the critique? You know what? I was at that magical moment. Lucian was just taken over, and uh-huh. I, I really believe I was the last guy Richie passed uh-huh. before he took off to LA. And uh-huh. I remember, like, I come out, and I go, oh, What's going on? He goes, Yeah, you could work here. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, that was it. Well, going back, so you when you get out of college, you just say that's it. I know I'm a stand up. By the time you got out of college, you're like, I know I'm doing stand up and a- or acting. Well, Neil, or I come to New York, or you knew. I mean, you know what I mean? Or did you go work? Or did you? you I right am away. a Jewish boy, so uh, <laughs> so I went through the motions and I took the LSATs and I got accepted oh, at law school. And to break my parents' heart, I deferred for a year because I was <laughs> yeah the first year. I made like thirty-five grand in cash, <laughs> and my friends who were lawyers were like doing 20, 80 hour days. They yeah. weren't even making that much at the yeah. time. But it's, what Barry doesn't realize is, if you cost average, he'll never do better than this. <laughs> <laughs> he got caught in the moment. Yeah, so it was. It well, was, he was. He was in the moment. Yeah, no, it's still He was better. in a big moment. Yeah, in this yeah. Business. That's what. I, so I mean, I, that's what I was. Like, I was saying. Like, out of college, you already had the bug. You kind of. It was in you already. Like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get laughs and yeah, yeah. and you're making money, you're like, well, this is gonna be great, right. but. Well, what? Okay, so now when does it? When? How do you get to LA? How do you get to San Francisco, LA? What happened here? You were killing it here, obviously, and having a great I was time. Doing and okay, here and but having a fro. You know what? I, I was doing topical comedy at the Strip. It really was. It, that was my home base, but it wasn't really a nurturing place for the kind of shit I was doing. Right. So uh, I was on the road a lot, and I, I wanted to get into the San Francisco comedy competition, and I did. I go out there. There's 40 people in the competition. Two weeks of 2020. Right. My first night. Out, I, I do my set, and I'm, I'm, I remember being in the kitchen at the punchline, just saying, like, can I get my free hot dog? <laughs> and they're yelling, who's Barry Weintraub? Who's Barry Weintraub? I'm going, I am. What did I do? And they go, no, you're, you're top five. You got to go out there. And I was stunned. I'd never really gotten right. to rise up above other people because when I started at the Strip, Seinfeld, Riser, Carol Liefer, George Wallace, they had all just made the move to L.A., and they were icons. Right. And, you know, the thing that's always been... That has been my undoing is I look at people who are great and never see myself <laughs> in that company. So yeah, to be singled out in in San Francisco, yeah. and then I it, that was a great story because I made it right to the end of the first round, right. and I got eliminated by Jazz Caner by like a fraction of a point, and I was heartbroken, and I was calling American Airlines to schedule my flight home, and they they called me up the Foxes who ran it and said Jazz Caner is dropping out. Do you want to drop back in? And I had gone over my head what I did wrong. I really got scared in that last set, and right. I swore I'd never be afraid again. 
and I was like a ghost. I just scored top five every night to the finals. I thought I was going to win the thing, and then I w- opened the show at the big theater in the finals, and things didn't go that well. Uh, who who won it? Uh, who won it that year was... Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> do we know? Yes, we do. Uh, but uh, it's escaped me. He's a, he's a, an engineer. Don... Uh, engineer. Yeah, he's he's a very funny guy, and of course I'm old and I smoke some pot. <laughs> and I apologize to That's everybody. All right. And so you stay out there? Yeah. So I I, I rearranged life oh, and wow. I moved out there. I, I had a bunch of work on the road, and, oh, and, wow. I, and I moved out there. Damn. And you become like a West Coast comic all of a sudden overnight. I do the competition <laughs> the next year, yeah. and uh, I finish third. But before the finals, they give me this radio job. I went up there to promote the show. Who gives you the radio job? Uh, this big radio station in San Francisco that was trying out a format that was a big what mistake. Was, well, what was the format? Politics? <laughs> it was wall-to-wall morning shows. Okay. And w- I was in the afternoon drive. I met my partner, should rest in peace now, Charlie Weiss, on, on the open mic as a guest. Right. And the dumbest thing I ever did was I had 16 weeks of improv work ahead of me. It took a year to get that shit in the book. Yeah. And I canceled it instead of trying to find a way to like do the Working. weekends. Yeah. I was supposed to headline at the Comedy Works in Denver, and I canceled that, and they hated me from that moment forward. Uh, yeah, bad yeah, moves. Had to... Bad moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how, but now somehow, how did you get into the, well, wait, the show was a morning show, but then somehow you transitioned to politics. Didn't you do a political show out there as well? Yeah, the, the rate, well, it was wall-to-wall morning shows, but I was in an afternoon drive. I started at the top and worked my way all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny because that's the format of everything now. That's CNBC, So you were playing records, like like high top 40? He, we were playing pretty good music, but we started becoming more and more talk. And I'll never forget, like I did uh, the Thanksgiving run. I, I took one day off from work, came home, did the Thanksgiving run, get back and was like bleary-eyed because I had taken an early flight. And they tell me, okay, no more music. Today we're just talk. All talk. What? Yeah, the format didn't really work out well, and we ended up getting fired. I had a guaranteed contract. The station general manager did not know that. Uh-uh. He was pretty pissed when he found out. <laughs> I'm looking up Don's name. But you were really doing a podcast No, no, the podcast. No, is... Well, it was radio. It was I know it's radio, but that's, San that's the funny thing about podcasts, though. It feels like that now that what you just did is now everyone's... Good calling it a podcast. The different the difference with a podcast is you don't stop every fifteen seconds to say I'm with Lenny Marcus, right. and because because people know. But in radio, right. that's the that's the, the the real difference. But it's talking on the radio. Bumpers, yeah, man, you got to go to commercial. We'll be right back. <laughs> we go and to fake commercials. Rec- yeah, we can go. We'll be right back. Um, we'll be right back. We don't have anything to go to. <laughs> we're back with yeah. <laughs> we're we're back with Barry Weintraub that's talking about different. his uh, life. And well, career. did you love stand up in San Fran? And were you going down to L.A. all the time and and were you i was i was a big fish in a small pond you know but i got there durst who is one of my best friends in the world was the guy and it was i was never going to supplant him uh it's a brilliant comedy scene and i I worked i mean they had a lot of work out there but but in new york you saw the rise of seinfeld larry david all those guys were at the strip yeah well larry david was uh at the improv the only time i ever came across larry david was when he pitched to me in softball (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny um, so why did you come back? What happened out there? So, all right. So I did San Francisco for five years and the radio, it died. Uh, and I, I moved down to LA and I worked at Talk Soup. I got a job there from uh, John Henson. Right. I uh, didn't do a lot of stand up in LA. I was traveling a lot to do my stand up. I was, uh, right. intimidated by the scene. I lived right near the right. improv. Never oh, went man. in. Never went in. So... I was there for like seven years, and then uh, decided one thing and, and another you were thing. Ri- you were writing for that show, Talk Soup? Yeah, I worked at Talk Soup, and oh, I worked cool. at other shows at E, and then yeah. I worked for National Enquirer TV show, learned how to write gossip. They fired... Ev- that was a great paying gig, yeah, too. Yeah, those are all good gigs. And they fired us all right, right before Christmas, because the show <laughs> sucked. They put the show into repeats, yeah. and during the Christmas break, it like shot up in the ratings, and they'd already fired us all. <laughs> so they went out, and they hired a whole new staff. And uh, and then I decided to run for president as Barry Who after that. <laughs> well, now Talk Soup, though, was a launch. That was like Greg Kinnear first. Yeah. And then came John, John Henson, Henson. And then it just kept launching everybody. And Henson and then, was a strip act. Yes. You know. Yeah, he was uh, like, wasn't he a house MC for a while, John Henson? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess he MC'd at the strip, but yeah. not as much as he did. For the Lucian Monday night. Thing. Oh, he did? Yeah, I oh, mean, okay. yeah, that's where I met most people hosting the Monday night used to be audition nights. Right. You would meet people. So, I mean, who did I bring up? That's right. I brought Adam in. I brought up Chris, right. Sarah. I mean, just watching these people 
take off. Take yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be here if you need some <laughs> reference. So how did so quickly we're running out of time, but Comedy USA, how did it how did that come about, that whole thing? Uh, I always had a publishing bug. I had published a wrestling magazine when I was 12 and 13 years old. Yeah. Uh, Matt Journal, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Probably no. not. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I saw that there were all these other things for rock and roll. And the PCA, which is the Professional Comedians Association, had put together some sort of publication. And it was inspiration from all different places. A thing called Rock Bill was being given out in rock clubs. Right, right. So, uh, and they offered me a job in like a moron. I turned that down too. Uh, I said, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and Comedy USA, as a, a four color glossy magazine, had its moments. And then as an industry guide, yeah. nobody was doing that. You know, I was helping right. comics find out where to get work. To this day, people still come up to me and say that helped their careers. So, wow. Not mine, but other people. <laughs> but now you started it there. You have a podcast, the Schmooze Fest. Tell people about that. Are you still doing them? I do them from time to time, basically on request. Yours is one of the most listened to at, oh, yeah. at 120 listens. If, yes. if that gives you an idea of how much effort's going into well, promotion. It shows you people don't hear, but like I would listen to. Bolsters and you know whoever else I you had, had in there. Bolster yeah. and my friend Alan Combs who passed away, and yeah. it was one of the few times Alan was not the host of a show and he right. was talking about comedy. But uh, you know, uh, Rich Scheidner was in there, and I love to talk to people just about comedy and, and so, the show. So, do you know more about comedy than anybody else in the, the history? Absolutely of not. No? no, no, but the history from New York comedy probably. I know a lot. You know, Fetterman is, is like I would always defer to Fetterman. Hmm. He knows everybody, and he he has a history like goes back to the Borscht Belt kind of thing. I always oh, really? I always so, ask um, this Wayne question. Fetterman by the way. Yeah, Wayne. <laughs> we should get Fetterman in here. I like Fetterman. So, uh, question for you: What is you've been at the Strip back in the heyday of the Strip, like when it was really kicking, and all those guys came in rock and Simon. You've seen all that, and now you see it today. And so, like, wrap up the comedy. Like, what has happened, basically, in your eyes in all these years? We're, we're in a second boom now, yeah? Definitely a second boom, and the strip is not in the center of this one. <laughs> it's, it, you know what? But in all fairness, like, the Upper East Side's not a place. It's not a destination anymore. Right. Because Catch was around the corner. Right. So, you know, Rock would be hanging out, not getting on in both clubs, waiting to hear what was going on. Right. You know, I remember coming back from a gig in Pennsylvania, and all the limos were outside, and I walk in, and Rock is on a stool staring at, Eddie and Richie. It was the night he became Chris Rock. Right. Um, that shit's not happening at the Strip right now. But but comedy is booming. It's a different kind of comedy. In those days, Dice Clay and Eddie changed it all. Yeah. They made foul, disgusting humor mainstream. Because up until that point, they were saying, you can't do that stuff here. Right. I remember watching Eddie get ready for that first tour, doing all that tossing pussy around like Frisbee. I'm like, right. well, that's great for a club, but what's he going to do when he goes national? It's like Trump. Everyone's going, oh, what's he going to do? Well, exactly what you see him doing. <laughs> and it worked. And it worked. And yeah, it changed comedy. But now when you say comedy's booming, wait, is it comedy? You, you Not stand-up or just comedy? I didn't follow the question. Like, do you Back is, in the is, day, was stand-up but, comedy but was the stand-up boom. boom. But when the con, when you use, is it comedy? Is it like comedy boom on Netflix shows, stand-up? Back in the day, it was stand-up. It was just stand-up. All over cable TV. Yeah. They, no, they yeah, were yeah. stripping uh, the stand-up yeah. acts all yeah. over. A&E had them, um, yeah. and Fox, Channel 5 nationally. The Comic That's Strip right. Live. It used to be called The Comic Strip in New York, but the TV show was called Comic Strip Live. And rather than argue legally, they changed the name of the club in New York to take advantage of the TV show. Oh, and that's yeah. See, that's a, I, I know. I feel like comedy's booming, but not necessarily stand up. No, no, it's all booming now. What they just released a Netflix release like thirty seven stand up specials yeah. on the first. Of you the don't year. think that's too much, you do you? No, There's, but I'm saying is I it feel booming? Like it, yeah. Yes. Okay, second one. You get second <laughs> corner. The radio show. What? So you get on the radio. Did you have any radio experience? I want to talk about radio shows and your experience, like run, being on a radio show. I had no radio experience at all. I was just, uh, I guess, a natural gift of gab. But I, like I said, I met Charlie on an open mic. He was supposed to have an afternoon drive partner. The guy dropped out the day before the station launched. The station launched by playing End of the World as We Know It for 36 <laughs> hours straight. And, 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 I think and, I heard about that. Yeah, it was KDBK, KDBQ, uh, yeah. San Francisco, San Jose. Right. We were actually starting to get ratings in San Jose. But we, it was a shitty frequency, and we were building something. But they didn't give it a chance, and you know they it turned into Spanish radio like overnight. <laughs> what is, is it? A good get paying gig? Radio? It was. I mean, at the time, it was a pretty good paying gig. So and, you'd go and, in for four hours, and just yeah. did you prepare at all? I prepared incessantly. I mean, I recorded every news show. I did a ton of prep for every you know, day. for every show. Wow! And so did Charlie. We were ready to go, and we had great guests. All the comics came through. Right. Um, 
And and it was kind of like, you know, if you're doing a morning chat show, but you're doing it in an afternoon drive, the listeners were the best. We'd, we'd be talking about things. Uh, somebody had done an autopsy on a gay man and found that there was something in the brain that indicated they might be gay. And I'll never forget a guy called from Highway 17, which is on the way out to Santa Cruz, which is this treacherous. He said, I had to pull over and call you. It's called the hypothalamus. <laughs> And I never forgot that. <laughs> I will remember the hypothalamus. Yes, yes, and a corpse if it's a big hypothalamus, and apparently. He had to pull over and get on it like a payphone. A payphone, yes. That's how old I am. People would actually, when you got lost on the way to a gig, you yeah. were fucked. Yeah. You, were, you didn't yeah. go on the cell phone with your GPS. You're like, I right. don't know where I am. I don't know. Yeah, any bad turn. Um, yeah, because in L.A. there was that book everybody had to have when I lived out in L.A. What? You never left. It was like uh, the book with the directions in it. Everybody had this book. The Atlas? No, no, no it's like a, <laughs> <laughs> You're a moron, Neil. No, it's a book. A comedy book? No, no, not a comedy book. A direction book. Like, you would never leave your house. To the gigs? This. Oh, somebody... No, put- just in how to go around L.A., like if you're an actor or a comic, whatever you were, I don't care who you and, were. And it was, oh, you with would, the shortcuts the, and... The, yeah, it just had a book of directions because, like you said, there was no way to get around right. L.A. I forgot the name of Everybody's the book. Everybody's driving. No, I, I, com- I remember hearing about that. I'll look Every it up. comic to every gig was driving like a map with on his lap you know i have I mean? every time i have this like a, a two inches three inches of index cards from all the directions to all the gigs i still have it <laughs> i should call bethel right now she'll tell me in 10 seconds she's very prepared she, I, they still bethel's mom still has it in the car um what's it like dealing so now you have a boss though you have a station manager and every time we have Stephen donovan in here every station manager is a psychopath you're and, staring at the first of all i remember staring at the clock like i was in school like i gotta be here for four hours right. but yeah no so i worked for the gm was this crazy guy, you know, and he, he never threw any money at the station, but the program director never told him he gave me a guaranteed contract. Right. So when they fired everybody, he was like, oh, go see Sheila, she'll give you your reception. I'm like, what's severance? I've got a contract. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, fuck you, and he went <laughs> off. You know, Where is it? And I said, well, I had a feeling this might not go well today, so I didn't bring it with me just because I didn't want you right. to tear it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I ended up getting <laughs> these huge checks Jacks. for the next five months, and the Durst, God bless him, had season tickets to the Giants. So I'd be going to baseball games, watching baseball, putting my checks in the bank. Every time I deposited a check, the television, have you spoken to our personal banker? <laughs> you so paid funny. great. Paid great. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, and how long was that gig? It was Five supposed years? to be a year, and it only lasted nine months. Oh, but you got paid for a year. Got paid for the year. Oh, that's... And then I got another one. But in, yeah, but... So it, when did politics come into the whole thing? Well, that was... it. That we was were political. Everything. We were very political. And then KGO in, in San Francisco was a 50,000-watt AM station that at night would go from Mexico all the way up to Alaska. Oh, wow. And, and during the day, it was one of the strongest signals, and it was huge. So how was that gig? Well, I was filling in at KGO, and I thought I was going to get a great gig. Yeah. And I told him, I, my pitch was, man, I could bring you the party crowd because you're getting all these old people. Right. So they gave me a job on their new station, which was KSFO, which had previously been old standards. Right. You know, and, and they put me on when the crowd was at the party. I was I was on Saturday and Sunday night from 10 to 1, and I followed the girl who talked about sex. You would think they might flip that around. but. No. Oh, well. And then wow. got replaced by Pat Buchanan when that changed for me. Nice. And, did, is, did and is radio still going strong? It is. It's sort of come back, right? Radio or no? No, it's been dying. They call that celestial radio. And no, and it's, it's been... It's, it's been replaced by like Sirius, Sirius. and podcasts. Yeah. And two, three corporations have bought it all up. It's got tons of debt. You don't hear a lot of live mm. people. It's all like programmed centrally now. Oh, um, radio? But oh, okay. right wing talk radio is, is the only thing that... Has survived. Yeah, but I did. What was the show I did with you? What, what were you? Alan Combs show. Oh, his show. So yeah. when he took off, he had you fill in. Yeah, I was one of uh, two or three people that got to fill in for Alan. But Alan died suddenly, and he was took it your was career Fox. With it. Yeah, he was on Fox, <laughs> and they were like, "No, no, we're not putting any more liberals on here." Uh, yeah, he, he was like one liberal guy on Fox. He was the only liberal. Well, yeah, guy. Like, took like, a lot <laughs> of heat from other liberals who were gigantic assholes. Were like, oh, <laughs> he, he sold out. No, how about he's actually talking to people who don't agree with him? Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was on that show, man, it was nothing but confrontation for three hours. <laughs> right. But they were hearing shit they never hear. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't exist now. No, yeah. they always. He was the only one because I watched Fox every once in a while. But he's the only one that was left, and then now they're almost all gone. Right? They, uh, Did you? Tom Shalou has that Tom's that yeah. spot now. Well, Tom, he's. I, well, we've been 
worried about Shalou for a long time. We were puzzled by Shalou. His politics? His politics dumbfounding to us. need to make money, for God's sakes. I guess. We don't believe... Sometimes we don't believe that these radio hosts believe what they're selling. They just want to make money, and they know how to make it. Absolutely. Sean Hannity is the most heinous human being on earth. But who's the... No, but he might be the most heinous human being, but does he believe everything he says? I don't think so. No, he can't. He knows he's full of shit. Remember the sports thing? He wakes up. What I'm going to say today is... And right. Just, well, no, they have almost a, like they have a, a character. Yeah, they need. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. His show is a character. Yeah. It's a narrative. And what are we going to write? Because we got to keep the eyeballs here so we could sell hairspray. It's insane. But the guy that I put you on that sports show, you remember when I was a brief television oh, yeah. producer? Jimmy Fallon. He's, Jimmy Fallon. He's there a lot. Yeah. Well, and, he's a to- he is a conservative. I don't think he's making it up. No, no, he's genuinely conservative. Yeah. I, I read Jimmy's arguments, and I'm like, right. you, can't you can't type an argument. Right. I would, that's why I wish I had a radio show. There's so many people I'd like to argue with, right. but I'm not going to sit there and fucking type in a keyboard, because that's not <laughs> the way to do it. pages and pages and But pages. I feel like with the guys like Hannity or Ann Coulter, once they get going, they can't stop. They're stuck. That's the way they make a living. Yeah. And then the more they, and then they know how to do it, They be, like any profession, they got really good at it. Oh, no, Ann So Coulter's, then they just juice it can up we, Can more. we please just call her the radio, uh, the meteor whose name is Shall Not. <laughs> okay, the meteor whose name should now come up. She comes down to the cellar every once in a while. She's friends with Sherrod. Sherrod, all right. How yeah. does that happen? And she's very nice. She'll she'll say very nice thing. And you sit there and you go, wait a second. But she you doesn't. Know what? Be- I don't think either. I'm one not of- sure re- she believes in it. I ask them that all the time at the cellar. Do you think that that woman, after talking to her, really believes that? <laughs> no. I don't. I think she just she knows does how to to stir play- the pot yeah. and yeah. keep her name out. Yeah, yeah. they That's all what- remind me of that guy that you know, Western films that comes into town. They're, they seem like they're always in a Clint Eastwood film. He comes in with like a bottle of water or yeah. a bottle of shit. And and it cleans Elixir. your clothes, and then you brush your right teeth here in with River it. City. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that's what Robert they're selling. Yeah, they, they'll if just were, sell whatever. It, it's just a really a bucket of shit, but they'll sell. It will be. It will cure whatever, and that's kind of what they They're good do. at doing it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they, that's, who they are. That's, that's your they do. president yeah, 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 right yeah, yeah, now. He's yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, he sold thirty three percent of the country on I am a self made rich man, and you can be too. It's more than thirty three percent. Liberals love to think it's only thirty. What is it? I'm not a liberal, but he, no. 33%. He, up until the last two weeks, he, he'd been polling at a steady 42, 43 in the average of polls. But now, phenomenal. his yeah. numbers are down to... I got to hand it to him from that standpoint. Genius. He figured it is. Mad genius. Yeah, mad genius. <laughs> um, did you ever do sports radio? Uh, a little bit uh, when I was at KGO, but not, not dedicated sports radio. You'd be great. You'd be great for that. Well, that was my thing. It was like news, sports, whatever. Right. That's what whatever I want to talk yeah. about. Um, it would drive me nuts, though, thinking of radio. Every time I listen to the radio, I always thought, like, man, I could do that. I could do that. Like, Stephen Donovan and I always talk about, let's do a radio show, Boston, New York, you know. And How we, is Stephen Donovan? He's good. He's, he's up, still working in Massachusetts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he's in Providence now. He's a big shot in Providence on good radio. And he's, you know, looking around now for another thing. But he always wants to come back to New York and do a radio show here. I'm like, it's really hard. You know, they, you know, this. You know, whatever. Radio is better outside of New York because everything's so glut. You know, everything's done here and people never move from these markets. But um, I don't know. Every time I listen to sports radio, could you take calls every day like, so like Manny Machado again? Like, <laughs> no. what are they doing if they don't get Manny Machado? Next caller, where are you from? Bob from uh, Reconcoma. I'm with you. I didn't get Manny Machado. What are they like? What the, the parameters f- on I it? It just doesn't listen get to it all day. How long. about this trade? We dig up <laughs> <laughs> Babe Ruth. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets a little a little stupid. That's yeah. that was my I problem can't. with sports radio. But if it's part of an overall entertainment package of talking about everything going on. But then, it's got to be yeah. the same for political ra- any radio. Anybody calls in, like I don't know if I could. T- I don't think I can handle it. I was listening uh, in the car to Fugel's gang yesterday. Who he's a political yeah. guy, but he did a whole thing with a woman just about sexuality and sex, sex, sex because you're trying to get people to, to tune in and right. listen. So you gotta you can't really talk about what you want to talk about. But the right wingers, it's all they don't they don't do anything but stick to the goddamn agenda. Right, their radio, and that's you know, that's where we are today. I mean, well, that's got, why the drunk guy at the end of the bar is fucking running the country. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true Rush. what else should we know like um, was there any crazy stories from the radio t- like there's always weird radio stories like I don't know well, stations it, burning down weird guests coming in all the time you know uh, I didn't have weird stories about the guests but my partner Charlie who I loved to death uh, he told me you know when we were near the end he'd seen it a million times they just weren't paying attention to us and he said look in most businesses they rip you out at the roots and you're done in radio, they just stop watering you. <laughs> so what they were doing was they just ignored us. We were on the air, and we were doing great shit because they weren't bothering us, but they were putting together the next format. I see. 
So, you, see, you never see it coming? And like, here's the funniest thing. Yeah. As we were dying, they added a psychic to the lineup, you know? <laughs> and true story, she shows up for work on the day we all got fired. She was the only one who didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> now, all they all they care about is the money for advertising. That's what they're trying to get you to. That's yeah. just, just, just pounding that at you every right. week. Like, right. They give you a little they, report on t- like this on radio. Like, they're giving you a report every week. Like You need to get this up. Right. That's a good question. We yeah, weren't yeah, yeah. getting, we weren't getting numbers. Yeah, you know? and they, and, but I mean, it's, but it doesn't mean you don't have a lot of listeners. It's just like the what? Are the, how do they do? Well, it? when I, mean, I was at that San Francisco gig, they never did anything to let the world know we were there. And then they started to find us in the South Bay, and right. we were like starting to get some yeah, numbers. Yeah, that's right. It takes a while because there was no Twitter or shit to get to you. I no. mean, what do you have to give everybody a flyer? Like, how do you get the word out? Put a billboard up? Like, People had to listen and like tell their friends you should listen. I, yeah. it was. It was. Wow. I, I said to them, well, "Why not one billboard just somewhere to announce <laughs> yeah, yeah, that we yeah, exist?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the only shows that the shows that would hit would be like the morning zoo or whatever, and then they'd have a war. They'd have the morning zoo war, and then they need to promote you. Right. So we had, and it was like just death from the beginning. The morning team. One guy was really sick and never showed up, so that team wasn't a team for most of the time. Right. And then we were on the afternoon, and then they brought the psychic in. Do you, remember, much, yeah. do you remember any stupid ads that you had to read that drove you nuts? No, I don't. I remember <laughs> when I worked in, on KGO, yeah. they were all like hair products and like, you know, uh, if you had prostate issues. <laughs> it was like, if you listen to the edge, like, is my audience literally falling apart? <laughs> but how much did they try to control you? How much were they coming in going, okay, you got to you gotta do the zzzz right here and you got to do this here. We want this here. Were they starting to come after you or no? Uh, in the beginning, they did. They tried to like focus us, but they stopped, and that's how we knew we were in trouble. But that's when we started doing the most creative shit. Yeah, that's when right. it started getting good and good. Uh, that's mm, pretty cool. That's funny. Uh, I was watching TV. That's funny that you say that about the ads. Are people falling apart? It's still like that. Like every time, if I flip on the TV for ten minutes during the day, and nobody really notices commercials, but like catheters. Oh, daytime How TV. many people are using catheters? Like, you would think after watching a day and of why television. why are you watching a show with catheters? I don't know. It's the news or whatever. And I just <laughs> watch. Right. Midday, that's who's yeah, watching. Yeah. And, like, I guess that's who's watching no. soap operas, catheters. It's, it's always what I say. I did that joke about the subway. It's I hate riding the subway sometimes because it's all poor ads. And it's just like, God, I guess I'm really poor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I need to learn to speak Spanish or well, English. Need I need a- to, it was just brutal ads on the subway. It still is to this day. It's just bru- one brutal bankruptcy, this, this ad. Do you remember the jingle at all? We'll end with this. Do you remember the jingle like W? It was always, you're listening to KDBK, KDBQ, San Francisco, San Jose, and then a golf shot. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, that's the end of this corner. We'll be right back with Barry Weintraub right after this. Hey, we're still here. Hey, now for your prostrate. (laughs) We we don't read any commercials on Uh, this show. Do you need a catheter? I'm doing a catheter commercial. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Hi, uh, you having problems down below? You need a catheter. I do, but a smooth one. (laughs) You know, they make... Do they make them smoother now? Because it really hurts on the way out. Smooth and in three different colors. Three different colors? I always wanted a catheter that had a yellow collar to it. Oh, call 1-800-CATHETER. <laughs> it really is like that. It's like these. They get the testimony and the guy's like, uh, I really needed a better catheter. Yeah, I know. You know they and he's do. flying planes. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going catheter or reverse mortgage. <laughs> yeah, reverse oh, mortgage. Right. Exactly. Ah, there. I'm Robert here. Wagner, did you even know he was still alive? No. Many, oh, heart to heart. heart. I was to doing, heart. I was doing a joke for a while. I saw a Bonnie Raitt in concert. I looked around and I was like, yeah, I'm surprised she doesn't do an ad for a reverse mortgage in between. <laughs> yeah, really it's true. so true. The, cheap, the most depressing night of my life, I went to the Cheap Trick concert. And there was no women. It was just all guys. the same guys. age guys. Oh, just, and there was fights. Everyone was really angry. The band wouldn't play the music right. It was just the most miserable <laughs> night. <laughs> everyone came to like relive the glory days of surrender. And and the worst part was there was not one girl. It was uh, awful. It was so pathetic. Well, that's a perfect uh, segue into our third corner today, which is Psycho X's. No, I mean, I have a lot of ex-girlfriends, but I mean, I I don't know. I I mean, it's gone both ways for me, but I mean. What, you were the psycho? No, I mean, it's just all, it's all awful. Breakups are just all horrible. No, but I mean, look. I mean, you have, you have a bad one. I have. You have the topper one. One of the worst. All right, let's hear it. I mean, because I've, you know, I'm friends with almost most the women that I've had relationships with. Yeah. No, not all, but I, I stayed friends. I learned that from one of the women that I dated way back when. So, but this one. I met her at the radio station. In San Francisco. She worked in the ad department. Okay. And uh, and whenever I'd go out 
to California or go up when I lived in California and work in the Bay Area. You know, we'd always get together. And uh, on one particular visit, uh, the couch I normally sleep on wasn't available because someone else was on it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you could stay at my place. And, you know, in all those years, I was really not interested that way, but we were always friends. And I don't know, just... One thing led to One another. One thing leads to another, and you're like, oh, why didn't we think of this? And, right. you know, well, we're both Jewish, which was never important to me. And right. uh, and next thing we know, we're going to get a whirlwind engagement. We're going to get married. She's going to move to New York. But all of that never happened in the time it was supposed to happen in. Right. And in that time, I started to notice um, her behavior was a little weird. Like, she had promised a friend she would help him with his uh, law school application, and, and then he kept calling, and she kept not taking his calls. So I remember that. I mean, that's fucking weird. <laughs> and uh, by the time she got here, she had a dog, the dog I loved, beautiful husky. It was gorgeous. <laughs> uh-huh. People would stop me on the street as if the dog was a model. I mean, it was, a, <laughs> and we were tight. But the long story short was, uh, we fi- I finally get her out of my home and back to California. I keep the dog, and then when she gets there, I say, look, this is it. We, we'd been rocking back and forth, but I couldn't say it before she left because she was psycho and she might not have gone. So I said, you tell me when you're settled. I'll bring the dog out. And a couple of weeks pass and I'm moving on with life. And all of a sudden I get a call. I can't stay out here anymore. I got to come back. I'm like, what do you mean you got to come back? We're done. We broke up. You, or you can stay here for a night, but then you got to go stay with your parents some other city. And that night she saw me chatting with a girl at a bar when she was walking someone else's dog. is a strange story. And she locked me out of my home that night. She was there one night. She locked me out. Uh-oh. And I was pissed. And I went to my car and I got my crowbar because it was a chain on my Uh-oh. door. And I, <laughs> I, I crowbarred my way into my apartment and I told her to get the fuck up. And I escorted her out the door. Next thing I know, cops. 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 Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm IMing with my best friend who's in Germany at the time. I'm like, this is crazy. So they come in, and then she made all kinds of accusations about me beating. And she, we, she used to wake up in the morning with bruises, and she'd say, you should be careful, because someday I might tell people you did this to me. What it bruise? was weird How'd shit. How did wake up with bruises? I don't know. Yeah, don't, where did you... So how long were you guys together starting? We knew each other 15 years, but this happened over the course of six, seven months. So I was six, out of my home. Months. I was out of my home for 90 days. Wow. She, we were in court. I had a divorce lawyer. I wasn't married. <laughs> and not only did I have one, I had to fire one because she was kicking her ass. I had to get another divorce lawyer. We went to court. She ruined Thanksgiving Eve for the poor people who had been living next door, which was the apartment she went into that first night. Right. I mean, everyone had to come to an agreement that we were going to get this settled in family court. She stretched it out. She ruined Thanksgiving for those people. They couldn't get to where they were going to go because she kept delaying. Then we signed an agreement that she'd be out by whatever, December 8th. She didn't leave. So on Christmas Eve, we're back in family court. And finally, the judge was fucking pissed and demanded that as soon as we resume after the break, she wanted her back there with all this documentation because she had her own home in California and she was suing them. She had a mold problem. She was suing Jeez. the condo people. And in my trying to find some information, I stumbled on information that she had been through something like that years earlier. Uh-oh. So she she was getting orders of protection against me. And when the domestic violence officer at the 19th precinct sat with us both for two hours, she said to me, I'm not charging you with anything, but you better be careful because I can see her story changed so much between when she got here this morning and then when you arrived. And then she noticed the dog was lying at my feet, not her feet, even though it was her dog. And I thought I was going to get arrested that day because I had an order Jeez. of protection against her. Right. And the cops took me downstairs and said, sit there. And I called a friend. I go, Fred, I'm oh, going to need a lawyer in two minutes. And she, that's when she said, look, I'm not going to arrest you. I, I could see what's going on here. But you're free to go. I got two blocks away and my cell phone rang. And it was the cop. Barry, you're not going to believe this, but the dog won't leave without you. Can you come back and walk them home? <laughs> and then I had to walk the psycho back to my apartment, and she kept it occupied. I, I got it back. Swear to you, the day Obama was sworn in. Oh it God. was like... Wait, so let's go back. You got kicked out of your own, own apartment. apartment. Correct. Cause if and you, what was the rule on that? Uh, here was the thing, and everybody should know this. It's 30 days in mail. So she lived there for 30 days, and she got mail. mail. And And... That first night, the cops were like, they figured it out right away. Right. right. First, there were five cops in my apartment and, and one on the other side. And, and by the end of it, there's one cop and he's on his cell phone. And I heard him say, nah, 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 she's full of shit. I heard him say that. And then they're like, well, do you have somewhere you could stay tonight? I go, yeah, I'm going to stay here. If she wants, she could sleep on the couch. I go, no, I don't think you understand. Do you have somewhere else you can go? Yeah. 
And it took four efforts. Did she ask you to get the mail in her? Did she ask, can I send my mail here? Well, she was living with me. She was living. She was. Oh, yeah, okay, Because yeah. okay. we, we were going to get married. No, I'm seeing. I, I got so lucky we never got married. Okay. Yeah, but I was like, how, is, is, how calculating was she ahead of time on this? <sighs> she she was calculating. We're, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving I, the building with the yeah, cops yeah, in the yeah. elevator, and a cop turns to me and goes, well, I know what you're going through. I'm like, what am I going through? I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea that right. night what I was going through. I went and stayed with a relative, and it took me... 90 days before I was I lost a lot of weight and I was no, living in different apartments at no point when you're talking to her did, she, did you just talk her out of it and she just flipped she just flipped a switch and she's all of a sudden a different person like completely at, at no psycho, point you're man. like hey can you just it's it's me like what can we just settle this and she's like fuck you, you. No, 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 she was crazy. She was insane. And I couldn't be left alone with her. I always had to have someone with me because she would make accusations. Yeah, it's scary. It's. But what now? Let's go back. So, when you are there signs after this whole thing's over and you look back on it, were there signs that you just didn't see? Like, uh, no, no. There was a love point where you're just having the greatest time you're in love, and then all of a sudden. Yeah, but that passed quickly. That passed really quickly. Like we knew each other a long time, so we were enamored yeah. of the. Oh, why didn't we see this earlier? Yeah. But she began like she she was almost two or three months behind schedule with our plan to come to New York. We would have been engaged and we would have been married if we had met that shit. schedule. And then I really would have been. Yeah. Fucked. Yeah. What a horror movie. It's a horror movie. I love those stories. And I she's mean, like, not- "Well, if you give me, uh, you know, comes up some crazy number, you give yeah. me cash, I'll leave." I'm like, "What?" Well, how did the whole thing end? How does it, how did it all get? Finally. So it finally ended with she was supposed to be out on a day certain for a second time. She didn't go back to court. She didn't give the, the judge what the judge wanted. And this friend of mine uh, went with me to the apartment to see if she was going to leave. She was not ready to go. And at one point, she said, well, I am not packed. I said, well, I could pack your shit and send it to Wait, you. Wait, who goes back? The the You and the who? Me and a friend of mine. Because okay. I could not be alone with her. Because if I was alone with her, but she would make accusations. But the police weren't with you. No, no, this is... At the end of the process, she was okay. supposed to, by yeah, court yeah. agreement, be gone, and she still wasn't. Okay. And she said, well, um, if you take us to the airport, because the dog was temperamental and wouldn't get in too many cars. It, and oh I'm like, take you to the airport. And then my friend looked at me, and he's like, take her to the airport. <laughs> take her to the airport. Yeah. And I did. And I had to buy a cage for the dog at the airport. Yeah. And I was welling up, because I love that dog. <laughs> 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 and I was like, buddy, it's me or you. It's going to be you. Yeah. And she actually said, are those tears for me or the dog? Oh, you psycho. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And, and then I packed her shit up. And, and did she I ever apologize or anything? No. Oh, no. no she no. actually was writing a column under a pseudonym at a weekly paper in Marin. And she was documenting all of this shit. Friends of mine told me. They said, you never want to read it. She wrote the most horrible things. Oh and I'm sure she God. did. But, and she would be pretending through that column that she still lived in Marin. Oh, oh my God. So I'm going to be out there in a couple of weeks doing a gig and uh, with seeing friends. And the last thing on earth I, I want to do is bump into her. Right. Wow. That's, I, a, good, that's a good psycho Expert. That's a good one. I don't have that kind of crazy stories. I mean, I do have like. I mean, we had good ones in we, high school. No, I had a couple of good ones, ones that you know. Like, I I bought a girl a coat one time. Like, you know, she had a, some good ones. I had some good ones. So yeah, like one, I came out of acting class one day, and one of my, like, I had just broken up with this girl, and she's just laying outside my acting class against the wall in like a scary part of New York City, and so she's like, and so we all walk out of class, and all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like makes this big scene in front of my whole acting class I'm like what what are you I can't like how'd you even find this place no, not, right so then that was one and then another one I bought her a coat I remember buying her the six I just want a coat for the holidays if I could just have a cause she didn't have a winter coat you know I was like so I bought her this really fancy winter coat you know like a, a nice winter coat next time I see her she's wearing a completely different shoddy like thrift store winter coat what happened to the winter coat that you really wanted? She goes, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, where is it? Uh, I sold it. You sold what? the brand. I returned it to the store. I got the money for it. And I bought like two things. She bought like clothes from like a thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> two winter coats like for like, you know. Sounds like you money. got off cheap, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like crazy, like crazy stuff like that, you know. And then I dated one one girl who wanted you know, we were in this apartment that you see is very small. You know, <laughs> this is where we were. This is was it. And I wasn't doing as well as I was in comedy now, you know. So she was like, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Let's we should get married and we'll have four kids and then we'll adopt one. We'll have. And she wanted five children. 
I was 40. <laughs> <laughs> I want four kids and then we should adopt one. I'm like, and where exactly are we putting these children in this apartment? Like, we're, we're not going. What are you talking you about? You need a classic six. You need a classic six. <laughs> Who doesn't? Like Miss Maisel, right. I had a real classic six when we talked about it earlier. One girl, <laughs> I remember back in the day, way before the, these two nutcases, like back when I lived in New Jersey, like we drove to my apartment one time, plastered. Pla I don't even know how she made it there. She must have drove like 60 miles plastered, just walked in, was like, I missed you so much. <laughs> I really, ah! and hug me, right? Next thing you know, she we're in bed. She throws me on the bed, right? Starts taking off her clothes, look in her eye, runs off, throws up, uh, right? Throws yeah, up. Actually. Like passes out on the bed. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say she's in the wrong apartment. <laughs> I was like, you're you not, drove you're not John? Wait, you drove my apartment drunk. Oh god. We're done. We're done. You're insane. Well, what about the flip? Have you ever have you ever been embarrassed? Maybe like you liked the girl way more than Oh yeah, she liked I had, you? I definitely had one of those. I had one of those. <laughs> that's, that's but then the you know, she ghosted me. Oh, she did? I had tickets to a thing and then I was like, You wanna go? Yeah, sure. Okay, see you tonight. Like then that day. I'm not sure I can go. I'm like, okay, well, tell me. I'll get, just get somebody else to go. Never heard from her again. That was it? That's wow. it. Never well, at least you got the initial one back. It wasn't, at least you, the first well, one it's like, this, And it wasn't even that bad. I didn't see this girl. <laughs> it was just the, dating kind of thing. But weird, weird. I thing. know. Well, uh, you one, got one? No, this is my high school. The the love of everybody's life, the, like, the most beautiful girl in high school that everyone wanted to go out with. I mean, I talked to her. Just I'm, Kevin good, I'm, good, I'm good friends. Karen with, yeah, I don't want to, well, I didn't want to say a name, oh, but okay. whatever. Uh, yeah, but she's. Can you fix she, that in post? Yeah, 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 yeah. She, well, she's uh, she's gay now, so she's married to a beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful woman. And that's always different because everyone was in love with her. And then she calls me one day and I go meet her wife and it was great. But it was always like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, can I tell you the funniest part of the story? So Bethel and Neil, who have been together forever, not married still, because apparently one of them will go psycho at some point. Um, and they both get the mail to the We're place. We're both psycho. So I got mail first. So Bethel, before she met Neil, how many boyfriends? And then how, what happened to them? Well, they were all they were all gay. She yeah, was a gay she had, maker. She was a gay maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not gay. She had made. They claimed she had, they, they she started dating yeah, Bethel. Yeah, yeah. They were not gay, and then by the time they were done with Bethel, they well, were gay. Bethel had uh, had a string of guys that all musical theater guys, and then they all they all. And then twenty years switched. later, it happened to Neil's crush. In high <laughs> yeah, yeah they all they so all the went two gay. of them. I know. We produce gay people. Wow. <laughs> there's something, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's something about our chemistry that none once, of them psycho though. Once nice they people. once they date us, we're like, okay, they go I, crazy. It's, something's got to be better than this. I'm, I'll try gay because this is awful. <laughs> That's what we do to people. <laughs> we're like, this Neil guy's a loser. Insane. I think I'm gay. That's a good way to. Uh, All right, so let's go for the fourth corner. We have Barry Weintraub here, so we have to do a Yankees quiz. Neil, wait, can you write a movie movies. about that girl one day? That's such a good, such, such a good story. I, you know what's really weird it's is while I maybe was, a book. While I was in my diaspora, yeah, I, I flipped on HBO one day in my friend's house, and there was a movie starring with two people in it who were in my life, Hal Spear and and Steve Heitner, and it was that basic premise: a guy oh, whose woman took oh, and it was called Thirty Days in Mail. Oh wow! Oh shit! Yeah, I didn't know that's a good huh. one. Because I keep that when I hear that kind of stuff, I hear that Pacific. I always think of that Pacific Heights movie with Michael Keaton. Oh, oh right, right, right. That's a good that's one. A good yeah, one. We're, house, we're yeah. like because there's so many they couldn't get them out. Right. Once you get in, it's like you can't get. There's so many rules and you don't realize it. Yeah. Um. All right, Neil. Out. What are we doing? Yankees. We're doing a Yankees quiz. It's oh, a speed shit, round. I'm gonna quiz. get crushed. No, all right. It's a speed round. This all is right, speed round. It. You just gotta do it okay. fast. All right. Uh, was, oh. So we put Neil in the soundproof booth. The soundproof booth, which is the At room the outside. Okay. The hallway. Neil, close this door. He's out. We're back He's on out. the air. He's out. We're back. Okay. So all right. So this is just a speed round. So it's a how many you can get and how fast, really. But oh, it, this is gonna go fast. It's most I think it's true false. There might be one fill in. Yeah. But it's true, false, as fast as you can do it. And if they're easy questions, sure. we just see how fast you I'm can sure bang them out. Sure. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Let's see what we do. And go. Joe Torre managed the Yankees starting in 1995. Not true. <laughs> that would be. That would be false. false. Correct. Mickey Mantle won the American League MVP three times. True. True. Yogi Berra won the World Series 10 times. He had one for each hand. True. True. The last Yankee shortstop to win the AL MVP was Phil Rizzuto. True. True. 
Don Mattingly only played the playoffs in two seasons in his first and last. That could be true. No. He didn't play in the first, just the last. That's right. The Yankees (sighs) retired the number eight twice. Yes, Bill Dickey and and Yogi Berra. Yes. Roger Clemens played for Boston more than double the years than the Yankees. I don't know that to be... I'm going to say true. True. George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees from NBC for reportedly $10 million. He bought them from CBS. (laughs) That's correct. Bert Hooten, Elias Sosa, and Charlie Huff are the three pitchers Reggie Jackson hit his home runs off in Game 6 of the 1977 World Series. False. No, it's true. Ah, I didn't know that. Ricky Henderson's contract with the Yankees for four years is less than the two-year contract that D.J. LeMahieu just signed to play for the Yankees. True. False. Both $12 million. Oh, D.J. LeMahieu. I thought he was a rapper. I didn't know who that guy was. <laughs> what is Babe Ruth's real first name? Uh, George. Yes. Um, the highest save total that Goose Gossage had in one year with the Yankees was 35. False. Correct. It's 33. Um, <clears throat> the last Yankee to hit for the cycle was Melky Cabrera. True. True. The last Yankee to hit 50 home runs in the season was Alex Rodriguez. What happened to Aaron Judge? There you go. <laughs> I told you they were easy. Saves became an official stat in 1969. The pitcher that recorded the first Yankee, <clears throat> Yankee save was Mel Stottlemyre. False. False. It was, I'll tell you when Neil fucks it up. Wait, you got that right. Joe DiMaggio missed three years of his Yankee career due to world, his World War II service in the Navy. False. False. Very good. Alex Rodriguez was named MVP of the 2009 World Series. False. False. See? Easy peasy. Mike Messina never won World Series with the Yankees or made an all-star team with the Yankees. True. True. Babe Ruth has the most opening day home runs in franchise history. Since opening day is right around the corner. I'll say true. True. And the last player to wear number two before Derek Jeter was Mike Gallego. That's true. That is true. (laughs) Barry, that was impressive. Two minutes and 52 seconds. And I think he got like 18 out of 20. Sorry, 252. Oh, yeah. Babe Ruth, Thurman Munson. It's true, false, except Yogi Berra. All you got to do is be 232. So don't think too hard, Neil. Derek Jeter. In that order. You have a lot of work to do. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. But it's possible. Who knows? Ready and go. Joe Torre managed the Yankees starting in 1995. Uh, True. Come on, man. 96. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. You're fucked It sounded right. Mickey Mantle won the American League MVP three times. True. True. Nice job. Yogi... Yogi Berra I won the World Mickey Series Mantles, ten for God's times. Sakes. Yogi Berry, Yogi, Yogi, uh, Bear Yogi won. Berra won the World Series ten times. I don't think he won it ten times, but he was in it, so that's false. He won it ten times. Shit. The last Yankee shortstop to win the AL MVP was Phil Rizzuto. False. Nope, that's true. Derek Jeter. <laughs> he didn't win the MVP. Uh, how's that possible? Don Manley only played the playoffs in two seasons, his first and his last. Uh, False. That is correct. He never played, right? No, just the last one. Oh. The Yankees retired the number eight twice. True. True. Can you name them? Yeah, Roger Maris. Nope. <laughs> you know what? I should have Babe Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. Thurman Munson and... No. Oh, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm starting to feel pretty good about this. Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra. Roger Clemens played for Boston more than double the years than the Yankees. Say it again. Roger Clemens played for the Red Sox more than double the year than he played for the truth. But it's close. 13 to 12. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that one. And he played for Toronto and the Astros. Correct. George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees from NBC for a reported $10 million. True. No, you fucking. It's CBS. Come on, man. It was a B in there. Yeah. It was all the same. The networks were merged back then. Bird Hooten, Elias Sosa, and Charlie Huff are the three pitches Reggie Jackson hit his home runs off in game six of the 1977 World Series. Oh, God, that's so false. No, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) You already lost. Ricky Henderson's contract for the Yankees for four years is less than the two-year contract that DJ LeMahieu just signed to play for the Yankees. False. 
False. It's the same button. You try to sell it too much. You try to sell that question. You gave it away. They're both $12 million. Ricky Henderson. It was a giveaway. You sounded frustrated by that, that being false. It's crazy that one of the greatest players of all time got the same contract for four years, and this guy did it for two. Remember when Bobby Mercer got a hundred grand, and that was like the biggest contract (laughs) ever? No, it's crazy. All right, what's Babe Ruth's real first name? Uh, Oh, Frank. <laughs> I don't know. Frank Ruth. I don't know. George Herman, Babe Ruth. Damn, I watched so many movies about him, but they were too long ago. Uh, John the, Goodman. The highest so save good. total he was that the Babe. The highest save total that Goose Gossage got in one year with the Yankees was thirty-five. Uh, I think that's true. Thirty-three. <sighs> Shit. That's Remember, we went to the place Babe Ruth got married on the Upper West Side. John Mooney had his wedding there. Oh, that's right. It's like a small, private little chapel upstairs. The, nice. the last yeah, Yankee yeah. to hit for the cycle was Melky Cabrera. That sounds true for some reason. That is true. Yeah. He's the last Yankee to hit for the cycle. There were a couple guys get close every year and then they can't get the last thing. The the last Yankees to hit the last Yankee to hit fifty home runs in a season was Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's true. Oh, come on, oh, Aaron oh. Judge. Oh shit. Oh, you threw me back in the A Rod days. Those are so. I those know. are such bad days. I, I get you. I hate when you bring a, up A Rod. It's just miserable. Yes, yes. Saves became an official stat in 1969. The pitcher that recorded the first Yankee save was Mel Stottlemyre, who just passed away. I'm gonna say true. There's just too much work going to that question. One, he was a starter. Two, false. Lindy McDaniel. Lindy ah, McDaniel. Damn. I know there's and just Mel a lot of. Mel got the win. There's Rest a lot of bitterness from those old guys about Mel that stat. There's a lot of bitterness for those save <laughs> savers. Joe DiMaggio missed three years of his Yankees career due to his World War II ser- World War. Oh, II I like that question. In the Navy, just true. No. Oh, yeah. Army. You asshole. Airborne. You, that's Airborne you Rangers. Coast Guard. You stink. Alex Army. Rod- Army. Yeah, I meant Army Navy. Alex, let's let me finish the, the question. Alex Rodriguez, another one for you. It was named MVP of the 2009 World Series. True. No. How do you not get this? Your favorite player. <laughs> he had the one game. Your favorite player. To me, he was an MVP guy. Who's your favorite player? Uh, that year? Yeah. Oh, I know who it was. Yeah. From Japan. Matsui. Yeah. But but A Rod deserved it. He had one. He had one hit. No question series. about Matsui's porn collection in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mike Does he have a porn it? collection? Yeah. Oh, legendary. legendary. Matsui. Yeah. Legendary. Holy shit! It's almost bigger than Saddam Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike, actual like videos. You know that and story, magazine? right? They found when they they didn't no. find any weapons of mass destruction, but they found this whole garage. Filled with American porn. A uh, Bin Laden? I didn't know that. No, uh, Saddam Hussein. Oh, Bin Laden too, right? He had a bunch of porn by his bed. No. Did yeah. He? yeah. Bin Laden, both of them did. Huh. Mike Mussina never won. We must blow up the world. <laughs> Except for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good bit. I should do that. Mike Mussina never won the World Series with the Yankees or made an all-star team with the Yankees. Uh, that sounds true. It is true. It's crazy. Great pitcher. If they Just, won after he left the like the left, next year. He pulled a Mattingly. He left like the year before yeah, they won it yeah. all, right? Yeah. Babe Ruth has the most opening day home runs in franchise history. True. True. The Babe. The, the Bambino. Babe. He hit two in one year. Um, the last player to wear number two before Derek Jeter was Mike Gallego. Mm, that sounds false. No, it's true. Ugh. Nice job, Neil. Okay, and you only got <laughs> murdered in five minutes and 29 seconds. Jesus Christ. Barry Weintraub. Uh, did you miss any? Winner. Did you get them all right? No, I got he three. Got 17 three out of 20. Yeah, 17 so out of 20. Which three did and you he made miss? Look, he, he missed George Snart. Uh, uh, the Mattingly sorry, one. Uh, I, I knew he won it. I knew Mattingly was in the playoffs the year before he left. I didn't think the first Those year. I got that wrong. And but, yeah, the, the starting pitchers, I'm no good with starting. I don't know who gave up whose home runs. Yeah, yeah. That's That's just. That's the only question from starting pitchers you can ask. I just try to analyze how I, he asked so the sad. question. That's all I do. I don't even listen They bring to in things. Charlie Huff in that game. Like, okay, we, what are we throwing at him? We threw Bird Hooten at him. He threw curveballs, whatever, junk. You know, it was a good pitcher. He shelled him. Elias Sultz was a pretty good reliever. Reggie hit the first pitch over the fence. Right. And then so throw a knuckleball guy Charlie him. Huff. <laughs> He's Bang. still in on. Yeah, bye-bye. All right. Well, that was fun. That was The great. way we end the show, Barry, every week is we um, – one good thing or one bad thing of the week. Like mm-hmm. you could pick anything good or anything bad that happened to you this week. You could say anything about any political stuff you want or anything. I don't know if good things are bad. I'm going to start this week and Barry can help me with this one. Rest in peace, William Stevenson. That's yes. the bad thing that happened this week. One of the icons of New York comedy hosted. I don't know what happened. Thousands and thousands of shows passed away. I don't know. He was he's uh, overweight and. Didn't care, and uh, you know, 
Can I tell you my only Williams story? We go back a long way. I wasn't Williams' best friend, but we were professional. Right. But we were working in Florida together. And I don't remember if it was the Fort Lauderdale or if it was West Palm. But after the show, he couldn't get into the nightclub that we were going to. He wasn't dressed properly. So I gave William my jacket. And when he gave it back to me at the end of that night... It was a soaking wet rag. <laughs> he had danced it into just limptum. And for the rest of my life, I always laughed about that. So when I moved back to New York, and he was the regular MC at the strip all the yeah. time, we bonded over that right away. And he should Worked rest everywhere, in peace. fought with everyone there, but everybody still loved William. He was no nonsense. He told it like it was. He loved uh, music, music, oh, funk he music. He gave. I think he one time he put together. It, like a CD for me, Williams Funkadelic Hits. That's what it says. And it's still on my iPod and whatever it says, William Stevenson, like Funk Hits or whatever. And uh, yeah, he always brought you up. He was great. Back in the day, he was probably the best MC in the city for a long time. And then, um, yeah. Uh, I did an interview pulled. with him on the Comb Show. I'm I got to try to dig it out. You should. Curmudgeon guy, but really, you know, cool. It's always good to see him, you know, and I feel bad. I, he brought me up Friday night. Next day. And next gone. day he was gone. Yep. Sad. That is sad. Um, good dude. Like Neil and Bethel, too. Yeah. He knew you. Um, I, I, I liked him. I mean, I, I didn't know him that well, but I, he was always good. I mean, he was yeah. all, every time I went to a club, he was there. Yeah. One good thing or one bad thing of the week? Uh, Well, it's hard to follow that, but I guess I'll just go with what I was going to talk about. I feel like there's an uptick in, uh, in food shaming, and <laughs> more and more people are coming at me for eating, for eating pork. And so, like, pork, pork. everybody's White sending pork. me because pigs are super smart and they're sensitive, and more people are having pigs as pets. And so, every time I'm get eating bacon, I, I'm almost I say every other day I'm getting a video from people that see me eating it. Uh, what? Of, Who's of, you? Are you eating like bacon a, in public? Of like a sweet pig, like people I know. <laughs> like they send me the guy of a Who? pig, a guy on his. On a guy on his bed and he's cuddling with the pig at wait, night. Wait, wait, wait. And it's Where just, are it's, you people it's, it's, seeing there's you a, eating There's a pig. real uptick on Twitter feed. There's a real uptick on... It's almost like the pigs are controlling Twitter because there's an uptick. <laughs> there's an uptick on making me feel shitty about eating any kind of pork and, and, and it's always the same guy. It's the guy cuddling with the pig. You haven't seen this video? I'll try to get it for you. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's starting to work. I'm almost like I gotta stop eating. Was meat. your sidekick I've like got this to on stop, the radio? I've got to stop eating meat. It's funny because I just saw a billboard driving back from Connecticut yesterday with two cows, and it said the last time they'll ever be together. <laughs> no, I know. I, I swear like, to you, and I'm thinking, you know what that needs as an answer is a billboard of the cows and then a human, and yeah. it's and you're hungry, yeah. make a choice. I know it's like no, the cows that don't have the PR campaign that the pigs have. Are we right just now. all supposed to be just eating grass at this point? Is that what people want? <sighs> well, we live in New York City. We don't have a lot of that options. I'm what, just saying, saying like, you could eat salad no, every but, meal for the well, rest of our lives. chickens right now get no play, no sympathy. So yeah. chickens you are still chicken. okay. But yeah. turkeys are getting a lot. Pigs yeah. are getting tons. Yeah. And cows are starting to move into turkeys, that area. Turkeys, really? There's, a, there's, there's advocating a, for yeah, turkeys. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm seeing a lot more people with pet turkeys. What? And Where are you watching this stuff? It, I, it was a video of a lady and the turkey's like falling around and she's rubbing his head. So you've head. seen one person. With a pet turkey. <laughs> that was more than I've ever seen. Okay, fair, but let's, let's <laughs> Wait, keep it in context. It affected me. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I guess I gotta stop eating meat. Is what I'm trying to say. I just got to, okay, but I can't. Are you luck. a big meat eater? I, I eat a lot of chicken. I tried to limit my red meat because we're cool. getting older. Chickens are dumb as not, shit. Uh, you know, I don't feel that bad for the um, cow. With you, 100. percent And every time we go to a steakhouse, I get so excited. And I only go what twice a year. Yeah, you can't, as so you get excited. older, you can't eat the red meat that much. Right. So when I get a chance, yeah, yeah. it's you me at that. Wait, what was that? You can't? You shouldn't. <laughs> I'm just you should. Wait, Bethel, though, is super hypersensitive to this. Like crying at a epic like rate yeah, now. That's, that's like a on, on we, we went to animal a videos. my birthday. Yeah, but she had wine. That's the way you got to get her off. You got to get the wine in quickly and she comes off of it. But just on a normal sitting, like when you come to the couch and like... The video, like the whatever the ASPCA yeah. videos come uh, on. Oh my God! It's like she has to leave the room, or she'll start. Cr yeah, yeah. It's just too much. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, here's a quarter. Save yeah. the dog. All right, Barry. One good thing, one bad thing of the week. Got uh, I got a bad thing. Right. I, I think the world is broken. You can't get anything done. And I speak specifically of uh, of dealing with phone companies and utilities of that type. I uh, I am responsible for my very old parents' home, oh. and I had to change some of their cable system around. After an hour and a half on the phone arranging for it, they send a guy to the house. He leaves the house. 
and I start getting notices that indicate they've screwed it all up. They're changing their phone number. They didn't give them the services they it's want. Really awful. Uh, and then I did an hour and a half chat, and I got it all straightened out. And this morning, I find out apparently I have not got it straightened <laughs> out, <laughs> and I don't know where to go. You can't. You, you speak Just to get one rid person. Of them I know what, what. What is it though that it's gotten? I mean, I agree with you. It's 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 out of control. Horrible. It's but where? What is it? Is the people are? are I don't know where. What. It, how to fix it though it's not fixable so i think what they did some guy saw an opportunity here he closed out the existing account created it as a new account and gave it a new number even though i said we want to port the, the phone number, number we've had for 40 years yeah. and i this morning it's all the same but if i hit one button it's gonna fuck it all up so that's the next thing oh, i gotta deal God. with the world is broken you can't get anyone yeah. reliable well i keep switching like we we had i had spectrum for or whatever time warner forever the thing went up like a hundred dollars a month, you know. Like what? I'm not paying. So I switched to Verizon. It was giving you this crazy deal. I saved a hundred dollars like a month, something crazy. And then two years went by, and then all of a sudden their rates. There you you go got a two-year contract. Okay, we can give you the same thing, but it's now a hundred dollars more a month. Like um, I'm gonna pull the plug. So I Spectrum is now a hundred dollars less than them a month because they went back down. It's almost like they I know. Yeah. So I've like keep just having these guys wheel equipment in, wheel equipment out every two years. I'm like, all right, you but guys want to count play this on game? that fact? They count on that you're that you that won't you will change. not do anything. Right. That you're just no. status quo. That's what no. they're going for. Yeah. No. In my own home, you know, I'm there, but they're they're ninety and ninety one, and they're in Florida, and I'm like, ah, yeah. it, exactly. The guy was in the house, and he turned, he changed the password on the system. Yeah. He's like, well, you could change it later. Like, yeah, no, no, I can't. I'm here. They yeah. can't. But you got to do it because when your parents get old, they just can't pull it off they anymore. It. Right. Stick, so they'll just it's stuck. So but the world is broken. You think you got it all straightened out, and then you find out some guy just like took a commission, yeah. changed the name on the account, and uh, the luck. glory days of some guy coming to your house, loving his job, and being like, I got you, <laughs> are over. Nope. Yeah. You'll be waiting there forever for these guys. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all. Barry, where can people find you? Like social media wise, do you have any of that yeah, stuff? Going? I'm on Twitter. I think I have as uh, many followers as we have in the room right now. <laughs> all right. Uh, Barry Weintraub won at Twitter. Yeah, I could use another two or three followers yeah, to really let's get, get it going. Some Twitter hits. <laughs> and, and, uh, and what and about you say? Oh, the Schmoozecast or yeah, yeah. There is a, 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 a Schmoozecast.com. What do I call it? I call it, that's what I call it. Schmoozecast.com. You can find a. These are great if you're in love with the history of. Stand up comedy, comedyusa.com, and they're all there. Yeah, yeah, I've got the old interviews uh, with Lucian. I got Lucian interviews yeah, yeah. up there, Jerry Seinfeld interviews, Great and stuff. Rock and Sandler when they were babies. Classics. Come back. We'll do it this again. Was Neil, fun, I'm guys. sure Neil will want a rematch at some point. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go to a game too. We'll do something else. What do you want to do? Politics? He'll kill you. I'll go politics. <laughs> all right, next at least time. it'll be more fun. Next time, people. <laughs> all, right, all right, bye. Bye, Thank everybody. You.